Welcome to All The Things Podcast. I'm Regina Lawrence, your host. I'm a lawyer turned soulful business strategist and transformational mindset coach. I'm also the founder of the community, All The Things Business. I've created a community of women who can truly be all the things, successful, spiritual, sexual, and wildly unique, all while creating a life of purpose and passion according to our own rules. We don't have to look or be a person that societal norms dictate anymore. We don't have to play by somebody else's rules. We can be whoever we want to be, and that person can be all the things in one. Each week, I'll bring you episodes where we dive deep into business, entrepreneurship, and a whole host of topics to help us dive into who we truly are so that we can really be all the things. Welcome to my podcast. Hey guys, I know that starting a business can be really complicated, confusing, scary, and there's so many moments when you're starting your business or when you're pivoting your business, you feel really, really confused and like you have no one to talk to. I totally understand that because when I started my coaching business, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I felt like I tried a million things and I would hit dead ends and I would just try and try and try and try. Luckily, I was able to figure it out, but I had to take the long way. And that is exactly why I am the business coach that I am, because I've tried and I've tried and I've tried all of the things, and I know what works in creating, scaling, and pivoting your online and coaching business. If you are needing a friend, if you are needing a coach and somebody to hold your hand through this crazy process of growing your business online, schedule a free 30-minute virtual coffee chat with me. Go to my website, reginalawrence.com, and click schedule a virtual coffee chat, and we can hop on and talk about one particular issue in your business that you are struggling with right now. And by the end of that 30 minutes, I promise you that you will have a solution. Once again, it's www.reginalawrence.com and click schedule a virtual coffee chat. I cannot wait to talk to you and help you unravel anything you are struggling with in your business right now. Enjoy this episode. I know what you're probably thinking. Regina, what the fuck is breathwork? If you follow me on social media or you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that breathwork has been something I can consider a healing modality in my life. And when I say a healing modality, I mean really a tool that I have used to help me break through a lot of barriers that I've had in my mind, in my body, on a soul level. And most recently in my life over the past year, I have studied and also received a lot of breath work from today's guest, my dear friend and soul brother, Stephen Jaggers. Just reviewing this episode makes me smile because I feel like it really captures the kind of conversations that I love to have, especially with Stephen. We talk so much about healing, both of our own healing journeys, what led him to the space of doing the work he is doing now, um, what does it mean to really be embodying your healing, how do we how do we really heal and why we need a community to heal with one another and why the concept of self-help is is pretty silly because it just doesn't make sense. So I hope that you guys love this episode. When you're finished with the episode, take a screenshot, share it to your story, tag myself and Steven and let us know what you love about the episode. Enjoy, guys. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of All The Things Podcast. I'm your host, Regina Lawrence, and today we have a very special guest. So something that you guys hear me talk about a lot on the podcast have been the different modalities that have helped to facilitate massive healing in my life. And the one I speak about the most, the one that has helped me really burst through a lot of the trauma that I have suffered from, and that is stored in my body has been breathwork. There are two very particular types of breathwork that I have worked with and that have brought forth a lot of healing. The first is holotropic breath, which I have told you guys my shamanic best friend, Ksenia, introduced to me. And the second type of breath that I have been doing a lot of most recently is something called somatic release 
breathwork. And this is a type of breathwork that was formulated by my friend and my podcast guest and my mentor and my teacher with this breathwork, Stephen Jagger. So today we get to have the founder, the mm. creator of Somatic Release Breath on the podcast. What welcome. an intro. Welcome to my sofa. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I get to check out your space. You know, you can tell so much by a person just being in there being in their space what, what can you tell about me from being we're sitting mm. in my living room on my sofa right now well uh plants are a good thing you know having some life around here it's clean it's organized that makes me want to like maybe open your closet to see what you're hiding <laughs> um where you've swept things under the rug mostly no you have a you have a beautiful space and it's it's organized and you know um cleanliness is next to godliness and, <laughs> and it's funny because like my cleaning lady hasn't been here in two weeks and i was like oh yeah. no steven's coming over like the apartment's not as clean as i like oh it oh my god no. I'm, not a, <laughs> I'm not i'm actually not a clean person so i need to have a clean space because it it just it helps me function mentally so much more me too and it's also the best procrastination for me when i have to get stuff done i'm like i'll just I'll just clean out the refrigerator. It's fine. Mm, but don't you feel so much better mentally? And I feel like I can... Yeah. If I were to clean out the refrigerator, I feel like I could think and, and just work on my, you know, whatever I'm working on so much better. But then sometimes I clean out everything in the house and mm. there's nothing le left to clean and then I'm just left with myself. Mm, and then yeah. I have to be like, okay... What's next to clean? <laughs> or what am I... Uh, what am I ignoring? What am I hiding from? Yeah. So something about Stephen as a breathwork practitioner. So you came into my life in a at a very special time. Because I... And I don't know if I've ever said this to you or not. But I have had a lot of wounding with the masculine. And yeah. I haven't been super trusting of men. Even in being in relationships and being in partnerships. And so this year, I knew that breath had to be something that was very important for me. And I, a lot of my friends have worked with you in the past. And I was like, no way, I'm not doing breath with a man. It's yeah. so intimate, like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And then we had a group breath session at our friend Sam's house. And Sam was a podcast guest. And um, you facilitated breath for us. And it was like, oh, having a male practitioner work you through something to help you bust through your trauma is actually helping you heal your relationship with the masculine and Absolutely. that is that has been so powerful for me every time mm. we do breath when I have like a big release or like this past time we did breath I had like such a like a beautiful like moving experience and I was at one point I was like crying and I really felt myself moving through something mm -hmm. and you came over and the space you held I was like that's why you're supposed to work with men for breath right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, thank you first of all, for sharing that with me. And I, and I've, uh, I've heard this actually a lot lately and it seems to be, you know, I work with men and women. I've worked, I've done men's work with like sacred sons and you know, I've worked with a lot of all women's group, millionaire mommies. And, but lately it has been mostly women that seem to be about 75% of the clientele mm -hmm. that I work with and I'm just sitting back and like kind of wondering why that is and maybe it's that you know women are more evolved than us and they want to actually do the inner work <laughs> but I think that it's it's something more than that and and you know our wounding if you will just get straight into it, our wounding our traumas the shit that we've gone through uh, you know, trauma happens in relationship with another human. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, it's the opposite sex. Like, most of the time. Yeah. Because that is... The people that we're are cl we are closest to are often the people that can hurt us the most because we're the most vulnerable with them. Right. So, he, like, trauma happens in relationship and healing has to happen in relationship as well mm -hmm. because a lot of the times we have to like we need each other and the whole idea of self-help or self-development is yeah. kind of it's a lie because we are at we are communal beings and we need community we need connection and we need other people and that's and we need other people around us both both of the sexes and so you know 
healing ha- like hurting happens in community and also healing happens in community and that is like why I think that that's a huge piece and and especially I'll tell you a little story I went to Sedona to work with a women's group um, and I didn't know it was a women's group I showed up there 15 minutes before and found out that it was a group of all women and they wanted to do I've talked about this before they wanted to do a womb healing session oh yeah and I didn't know and I was like oh shit like I'm a guy I don't have a I don't have a womb per se you know I I maybe have a metaphysical womb where I birth businesses and other things into the world so I'll just roll with it you know but it ended up being such a powerful session for these women because I was a man and I was holding this container for them to go in and figure out and become aware of a lot of the wounding and a lot of the things that have happened to their womb. Mm-hmm. And what has happened is probably came from other men. Yeah. And to have a, a man that's opening up a space for them to revisit it and repattern that they are safe mm-hmm. with the masculine energy, that is absolutely what I am here to do. And mm-hmm. I continue to, to, to receive those um, messages. And I don't even think about that, but it is a byproduct of what's going on. I also think with the idea of self-help, it's like theory versus like actual embodiment of like healing, mm-hmm. right? So I think of it with codependency a lot. I've had mm-hmm. a lot of issues around codependency that I'm I work through them in every new relationship. I get Mm -hmm. triggered with with these like old patterns of behavior because what happens is like I can think about it and I can understand my patterns, but it's not until I'm like in intimate, vulnerable space with a man that I'm like, why am I feeling all these things? Oh, they're coming up because like this is another layer of healing that I can only do in this intimate, vulnerable container. I can think about it. I can journal oh, yeah. about it. But then when I get back to that space, I'm like, mm-hmm. what? what's happening? Like, yeah. why am I feeling these feelings? Because you can in- intellectually understand mm-hmm. something. It's not until you're we're with other humans yeah. in, the, in similar vulnerable, vulnerable mm-hmm. spaces that cause the initial hurt and trauma yeah. that we can work through it again. Absolutely. So are you feeling codependent to the other person or are you feeling the codependence from that other person on you? I feel, um, so the way my codependence manifests itself is like, I'm a caretaker and I am a fixer and I'm a helper. Yeah. So what happens is like, I'll get into that space where like, I want to help fix whatever. And Mm -hmm. then I'm also, I'm anxiously attached. Mm -hmm. So like if I lean in and they lean out, I'm like, (gasps) like what's happening? Like I'm feeling the anxiety. I'm feeling Mm -hmm. the codependence. So I feel a codependence towards them but if it's reversed and i'm with somebody who is codependent towards me i oh you're at the the door yeah oh i'm gone yeah so attachment styles are so interesting but yeah on the point you know of like theory like understanding something's theory versus an actual embodiment of it and not actually being able to practice or to heal it or to um, learn from it until you're actually in the state or you're in the relationship. Mm -hmm. This is huge. And I think this is a huge understanding that we are shifting through a paradigm um, in the kind of health sphere. And a big part of my mission is that like, and we can get into my story, but I have just seen how the mental health field has absolutely been failing us as a culture and has, you know, both of my parents were addicted to uh, prescription medications and hard drugs even before that. And I just watched them suffer from mm-hmm. a long, like, like my whole childhood. And I always knew that there was like, there was a knowing inside of me that something was off, something was wrong. And I watched them like go shift their medications every six weeks. And it was the same thing over and over again, um, which I'm, I'm sure a lot of people listening can, can resonate with like, the mental health field is not set up in a way to actually support people. And this is because it's not just about the mental health field. It's not just about our mind and knowing. It's about mind-body health. It's about health in general. But it's about understanding how much of our body, how much of the embodiment 
takes uh, is is the key aspect of it because we can think about something all day long, and that doesn't mean that we actually understand that. Mm-mm. And even the etymology of the word understand is to be able to stand under something and hold it up yeah. with our physical body to be able to embody it. And that's a big thing with practitioners too. Is I think that you know you really can only take someone as deep as you have gone yourself. And that is, that is huge. Therefore, like you can only heal relationship issues while you're in relationship. Like I've been single plenty of times where I'm like, damn, I feel really good. Like I feel like I've been been on top of my shit. And then I catch myself in a relationship later on and I'm like, holy fuck. Like I got all this like unconscious patterning that's just creating all these issues and just Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, they're exposing themselves because I'm actually in a relationship, I'm in that game again. <laughs> Every time I'm in a relationship, I always enter it thinking like, I'm so evolved. I've yeah, evolved yeah, so yeah. much. I've grown so much. And then all of a sudden I'm in these like, intimate wah, wah, moments wah. and I'm like, oh no, there it is again. There it is again. <laughs> My old friend. <laughs> so how, so how did you start to use breath? How did you get to a journey where you started to use breath? for trauma release and for all the things that you do now? Yeah, so, you know, back, I can go back to, you know, watching my parents. Um, First of all, both my parents were heavily addicted to street drugs before they had me and while they had me. You know, they changed their life around and, you know, with the help of the system right now, they, you know, were put on prescription medications and I just watched how that absolutely just sucked the life force out of them and I could tell that something was wrong. And so fast forward through high school, you know, I played a lot of sports. I was always very athletic and um, I was also very into the body, but I also was really into like what made people tick, why my parents were the way that they were. Mm And so I originally wanted to study addiction psychology and also physical therapy. I couldn't decide between the two and which one I wanted to go Mm -hmm. into. I ended up dropping out just because I I was not a book person. I'm more of a kinesthetic learner, more of an embodied Mm -hmm. learner, an experiential learner, which I didn't find out about myself. It was really hard for me to pay attention to books. Um, So I dropped out and worked the corporate life for a little while and I ended up figuring out that that was not in alignment with me. I was a human resources executive for a microchip company, (laughs) which was just like, can you imagine that? Yeah. (laughs) I was like 21 and it was just such an interesting phase, but I, uh, you know, I had sort of a, you could say a spiritual awakening or, um, I started having lucid dreams, like wild lucid dreams. And I just started doing research on what it, what is this phenomenon. And how like, old were you when that started happening? About about 21 at the same time that I was working that job. Okay. Um, and I started having these. I actually quit smoking weed. I was mm-hmm. using. I was hev- heavily, you know, self medicating through high school, and you know, cannabis was um, absolutely a help with it. It was an absolute help for me, but it became the thing that also numbed me as well. And I stopped. And what happens when you stop is you have a REM reuptake where you start to have wild dreams for, Mm. um, you know, multiple nights. And I was having lucid dreams and I ended up kind of stumbling down that rabbit hole and uh, researching online what is lucid dreams and got into altered states of consciousness and um, just really it just captivated me because I had a like a really wanted to understand what makes people tick and how the mind works. And um, so I went down that rabbit hole. And instead of getting into that, I ended up finding a holistic school here in Tempe, actually, Mm -hmm. um, that taught body work, yoga, life coaching, holistic nutrition. And I walked into that place and it was just a full body yes for me. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is what I want to do. And and I love working with the body, but also working with the mind. So I I learned body work and uh, specifically, uh, you could call it, I would call it somatic release body work, which somatic just means the felt sense in the body, Mm -hmm. just means of the body. but I really started to study like the Western approach to understanding the body, but also the Eastern approach and understanding the, the 
the energetic aspects of it and, you know, how our chakra system is basically the same thing as our nervous system. Mm -hmm. You know, you have nerve bundles at each of these seven centers, if you will. Yeah. And just started to tie the boxes in. And uh, I ended up becoming a teacher there for a while, uh, teaching... You know, energetic anatomy and kinesiology and lots of classes. I loved, I, I loved it. And I started to just hone my body work practice and was helping people really release a lot of the stuck energy that was in their body. And I ended up, you know, having my own practice and doing that for a long time. And I just got so sick of working with people's bodies specifically, just aligning their physical body. Mm -hmm. And they would show up at my place of work weeks later with the same issues over and over and over again. And I knew that there was a deeper thing going on that I wasn't able to just work with uh, someone's body. And I knew because just the state, the emotional state that people were coming into the mental state that I needed something more. Um, so, you know, I actually started experimenting with plant medicines. They came into my space and I went down a journey with those. I, uh, I worked for a nonprofit organization called MAPS. Oh, yeah. um, they are in the process of uh, legalizing different psychedelic substances mm -hmm. uh, in conjunction with psychotherapy. And I worked the Psychedelic Science Conference in 2017 and I took a workshop by a man named Stan Groff, who uh, created holotropic breathwork. Mm -hmm. And I and people were telling me like, you got to go experience this breathwork. And I was like, what? Like, I was busy doing DMT or something. You know, this is some <laughs> like like harder psychedelics. And I I went to this breathwork, and I was absolutely blown away by the releases that I was having in my physical body, mm -hmm. and and by the clarity of what was coming through in my mind. And the clarity that was coming through my mind during that session was that like, while I'm working with people's bodies, while I'm a body worker specifically, I am constantly attuning to someone's breath and the breath is the number one diagnostic tool for me to tell if someone can go deeper or not, yeah. or if someone's nervous system is still holding on. So I got some incredible insight there and I started studying breath work specifically after that. I took a couple other different breath work trainings as well, um, but I really just started utilizing it in my body work practice and I started to notice myself, I would become a, I became a breath worker first, yeah. a body worker second. And knowing that the nervous system is the thing that controls all of your physiological functions. It is your electrical system. It is your chakra, your energy system, if you will. Mm -hmm. And that's controlling all the muscles, the glands, the organs on all those different, you know, chakra or nerve lines. Uh, and what I was like, the breath is the number one way to control your nervous system. Mm -hmm. It is. If you you know, breathe super fast, you're going to like go into a heightened nervous system state. If you slow your breathing down, you're going to go into a relaxed state. Mm -hmm. So it's a number one tool that we have to use to control our nervous system state. And our nervous system controls everything else, how our body's functioning, what mind state we're in. The breath is the only body rhythm that we do both consciously and unconsciously. Mm -hmm. So it is the bridge between our conscious mind and our subconscious mind, not only our mind, but our mind and body. Yeah. So, you know, I started playing with it and uh, I kind of developed this somatic release breathwork modality um, while combining some of these bodywork techniques, but not only that, um, NLP communication, where I am cultivating my language in a way that is um, giving people an invitation to go in deeper to whatever thing is coming up for them and and learning how to guide someone through communication as well how and do you how do you utilize nlp with the somatic um breath work how does that work yeah so like neuro-linguistic programming there's a few different ways that you can utilize it i mean a lot of people use it utilize it in sales but you're basically speaking to someone's subconscious mind yeah and not only someone's subconscious mind, but subconscious mind and body. Mm -hmm. um, so I am tailoring my language in a way where it's, it's, I'm not telling them what to do. 
I'm prompting them with a question that's going to get them to go inside and come up with the answer for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that is it. That is also the mark of a great salesman is to have your client make the decision for themselves. You know, it's also how um, you talk to men. You yeah, <laughs> you make them think that they came you up with it, it themselves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a good, uh, a smart woman knows how to do that. Yeah. But um, but you can actually use that tool for healing as well. And you know, a good life coach is someone who can ask really powerful, potent questions. And any change that happens um, within somebody like sustainable change has to happen from the inside out. Mm -hmm. If I'm telling anybody anything, um, you know, like a lot of people ask me like, Oh, or what intuitive hits were you getting? You Mm -hmm. know? And I'm like, it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what was coming up for me. It matters what was actually inside of you. And that's why I call it somatic release breath work because first of all, it's somatic. It's, it's the felt sense inside your own body. Mm -hmm. And like I said, with the mental health field, we live in a mental dominated society where most of us aren't even occupying our bodies or even feel into our bodies specifically. Um, and even like feel in what, what's going on. So kind of the difference between holotropic and somatic, uh, somatic is still intense. Holotropic is incredibly intense. Um, but it's more about the feeling sensation inside of your body and where have you still been numbing yourself within your body and being able to express it and discharge it out. And I could definitely get into the physiology of that if you want me to, but Mm -hmm. we can. Well, I was just thinking about when you were talking about the connection between the breath and the body. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about my own experience with breath where I'm doing, I'm going through like the more intense way of breathing Mm -hmm. and then you start to have different things happen. Yeah. You'll have, as you're releasing in the body, like through the breath, you have memories come Mm -hmm. up or you have physical sensations in parts of the body where you've had trauma Mm -hmm. and it's literally like you can feel the body unlocking, whether it be in your, your conscious or your unconscious mind or in different parts of your body while you're breathing. Yeah, exactly. And it's just the same concept as like, you can't do relationship work unless you're in a relationship. Yeah. So what happens with this style of breath work is that you're breathing pretty intensely for a while. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily like, obviously it's not a good state for you to live in all of the time, Mm -hmm. but I'm literally putting your body in a state of trauma. Like I'm ramping your nervous system up to where you are living, you are experiencing, you're in an absolute safe container, Mm -hmm. you're in an absolute safe place and that's huge for me to be able to cultivate that for you, uh, for you to feel connected and safe. But physically, your body, we are putting you into a controlled trauma state, which then gives you the opportunity and what comes up for you is that a lot of the times when we have undergone different traumas in our life, uh, we actually don't discharge it and move it through us like we were designed to. Um, and I can get into that, but during this breathwork state, you, those things that come up for you are a lot of the times the things that have happened in your past that you, you know, you had, defense systems that basically blocked you from fully experiencing whatever happened to you. Mm -hmm. And to be fully alive as a human is to fully experience something. Now, these defense systems that happen to you when you are experiencing trauma, those are intelligent design. And like, you know, if someone was, God forbid, like raping you or something, your your intelligent response inside of your body inside of your soul is for you to leave mm-hmm. for you to fully check out and that's an intelligent design but that doesn't mean that you check back in right so you know weeks months years go by and there's still that aspect of you that's checking out mm-hmm. and you're trying to be intimate with a partner and you're checking out yep and so we take you into this state where your body, you're safe, but your body is undergoing a, a physiological, physiological trauma state. 
and that allows you to discharge it, which discharging it is completing the necessary action mm -hmm. that you needed to do during that moment. We also have periods of things that happen to us that are traumatic that mm -hmm. we don't even just check out of, but we completely block out of our mind yeah. and we don't remember them. Mm -hmm. And so on a unconscious level, they're constantly affecting us. Yeah. And so breath has been another tool for me mm -hmm. that things that I've suppressed and have no memory of, yeah. I've been able to pull back up mm -hmm. and to process through yeah. in a big way. Absolutely. And it's, it's pretty incredible what comes up for you because you're not in your waking state of mm -hmm. consciousness. You know, you are accessing a different state of consciousness during this, this breath work and the stuff that comes up with you, like anything that's coming up is coming up to move through you because, uh, you've been holding on to it for a long time. And this is where it gets really interesting. And I think you'll find this very interesting is that there's a concept within somatic psychology or trauma psychology, and it's the concept of reenactment. And what that means is that, so as a baseline, as a human, we are all striving for balance mm -hmm. in some sort of way. We're, like your body is striving for homeostasis. Mm -hmm. um, and also homeostasis, not only homeostasis, but you're striving for growth. Mm -hmm. Like all of us are striving for growth. We want to survive. We want to find new patterns that make it. We want to evolve yeah. as a human. And what happens when we, when we experience a trauma... And trauma is not the actual thing that happened to you. It's what happens inside of you mm -hmm. based on the thing that happens to you. What happens is we, you know, we have these defense systems come up and they don't just go away. So on an unconscious or a subconscious level, you go throughout your life and you will begin to call in scenarios mm -hmm. for, you to, for you to find a new response to that. Mm -hmm. you, will be, be, you will end up calling in more scenarios for you to work through that same trauma. Yep. And I see this in relationships so much. Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's like someone's in a, you know abusive partnership and they end up getting out of the relationship, but then they keep calling in the same, same type of relationship, type of relationship yeah. over and over and over again mm -hmm. because their soul and their you could say their soul, their nervous system is wanting the chance to be able to find a new adaptive pattern to mm -hmm. be able to grow from that circumstance and you you know you will repeat it until you complete it yeah and so i think on a on a baseline like we are all striving for growth and a lot of the times trauma stress those those things that happen to us those are the catalysts for us to be able to grow if we can find if we if we answer the question if we find the new adaptive response and you know in your life if you're repeating uh if there's a certain pattern or a certain relationship that's repeating um it is your you are subconsciously calling it in because you want to grow from it well and also like something that i've realized with that particular example is that we're actually energetically attracting it because mm -hmm. of the frequency that we put out around that situation. Mm -hmm. So going back to the NLP, for example, the woman who's in that relationship and she keeps calling, she keeps getting into an abusive cycle of relationships. I, I ask the question, what's your internal dialogue with yourself? Because the thoughts that you think and yeah. the words that you say affect the outcome of your reality. Mm -hmm. So it's like, on a, on a conscious or even a subconscious level, it's like, I am not worthy of this type of relationship. Yeah. I have a, an attachment, an addiction to yeah. this type of relationship. This is what is the normal thing for me. Mm -hmm. And so you energetically emit that Absolutely. over and over again. And so then you keep attracting that type of relationship. The beautiful thing about the type of work that you do is that it introduces a pattern interrupt. It's in a pattern interrupt. Absolutely. And I want to take it one layer deeper because I do agree with absolutely everything that you just said. You know, the stories that we tell about ourselves and the, and the, and the internal dialogue that's going off in our mind mm -hmm. is, is absolutely going to be what we are calling in. 
you know, it's, it's absolutely going to reflect in the external world of what we are calling in. But those stories, a lot of our, so I'll back up. We as humans are animals mm-hmm. and we forget that. Yeah. And we are animals, meaning that we are body centered beings mm-hmm. and we are body centered first. Like the first response that you have to anything is going to be an instinctual response. Totally. If someone were to break in here, you'd like, you know, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd move, you'd either fight, you know, run, or you'd have some sort of instinctual response. And that's an animalistic totally. response. <clears throat> After that response, you will have an emotional feeling around that response. You will feel scared. Mm-hmm. You will feel either weak or maybe you'll feel, you know, you'll, you'll feel like a badass because you beat the fuck out of this yeah. guy, you know, mm-hmm. or, or something like that. So you'll have an emotion. And then after that, you start to create the stories around that. Yep. Oh, I'm not safe in my apartment. People mm-hmm. are going to break in. Yeah. And then you will start to emit that frequency of I'm actually not safe. Yeah. But it happens I would beg to say that it happens first on an instinctual level and we, we get wounded on an instinctual level and then that creates our emotions Mm -hmm. and then our emotions start to create the mental stories that we tell about ourselves. And absolutely it's so important to work with those mental stories, but a lot of the times people can't help themselves Um, they're just like, I don't know why, but this pattern continues to go off Mm -hmm. and it's not because it's, it's a mental thing that needs to be repatterned. It's an instinctual thing. It's a body centered thing. It's an Mm -hmm. emotional thing that doesn't have to make sense in your rational mind, but when you can actually discharge it physically, um, and emotionally and let yourself feel that fully, you, you, Open yourself up to have more capacity within your mind to tell, to, to have control over the stories that you tell yourself mm-hmm. and you tell, and you tell about yourself and you tell about the world. I had such, um, an addiction and an attachment to dating men who were some high level drug dealers of some sort, <laughs> drug, functional you drug like addicts. thrill. Functional, well, they were always functional drug addicts of some sort. And all of my ex partners, Mm. all at some point in their lives, were drug dealers. Every single one of them. And I was like, that's a weird And what what were you, a lawyer? That's a weird, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Polarity there. Yeah. And I was like, that's such a weird pattern. But then I started to think about it. I'm one of nine kids. Seven of the nine have been drug addicts. Yeah. And I, and then I was like, oh, somewhere in your subconscious, Mm-hmm. You think there's something fun and exciting and familiar yeah. about that type of human. Mm-hmm. And you keep calling them in because there's something about them that it feels comfortable. It's exciting. It feels like home. Yeah. Reminds you of your brothers, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's something that I've had to work through over the past two years to be like, oh, mm-hmm. no, it, there are exciting moments with drug addicts. But then there's... There's all the other moments that go along with it. But that was a story that I didn't even know that I had, Mm -hmm. that I was telling myself over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I would make excuses for those types of men because of how it felt to me. Yeah. And I've had to break through that. Yeah. Was there a, a point where you like took action on something that that maybe it was like saying no or it was like, was there a, a point at which there was a fluctuation within that? Where I said no and was done with it. Like yeah. I changed the story. Yeah. yeah, I fell in love with a guy who lived in Chicago and he seemingly was what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And then I found out as the relationship progressed that yeah. he was a super successful, spiritual, high-functioning cocaine addict. Mm. And I loved this guy so much. And yeah. I had to be like, you are no longer available for men who are like this. And I had to like cut it off. And since then, like I'm so conscious of like the patterns of behavior Mm. that I'm like, oh no, no, I can't do it. But it took that guy who I loved so much to be like, no, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, You had to find the new adaptive response, you know, at a, at a, at a core level, like we are all looking to grow. We all want to, you know, create something Mm -hmm. and a lot of the shit that we've gone through, the traumas, the stressors in our life 
those are the things that if we overcome them, if we find a new pattern to deal with them, um, those begin to be our superpower. And Mm -hmm. those begin to be the ways in which we can help other people. Yeah. Those become, like we all want to feel like we're contributing something to our community. Mm -hmm. Like we're tribal beings. Yeah. We want to feel like we're bringing something to the table for our people. Yep. A lot of the times the thing that you can bring to the table is the shit that you've gone through and you've overcome. I don't think, and you and I touched on this a little bit earlier, I don't think there's any bad trauma. There's not. I think there's, and part of it is a framing. Is, yeah. It's a mindset framing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've and i thought through this a lot because like there are people, we all have our own varying degrees of trauma. Everyone yeah, does, right? Yeah. Um, and there are people who have had much more extreme trauma than I have on a, whatever scale we're going to put it on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but my frame through my whole life has always been, what's the lesson out of this? What's the next, what's the thing I'm, what's, what's on the other side of this thing I'm experiencing Mm -hmm. and listening to you talk about breath. Mm -hmm. We're putting ourselves in a state of trauma to work through the underlying trauma. Exactly. And you're, and we're putting you in a body, a body felt sensation of trauma. I'm not necessarily working through the story and Mm -hmm. trying to rewrite the story. We're just helping you discharge it on a body-centered level, and then that then you know we can start to work with the story afterwards. But I actually think like the process of working through it, trauma in the body, and then working on the story is the proper course to go through. It is because a lot of times we get stuck in the story mm-hmm. and why did this happen and the layers of it, mm-hmm. and we go nowhere You'll with it. Dance that. in circles for mm-hmm. your whole life with that, and yeah, it's, and, and it doesn't like. It, not everything has to make sense to our mm-hmm. mind. You know, we are a mental culture, and there's so much more intelligence within your body than your mind could even fathom. Mm-hmm. Like you are repairing your body on a cellular level all day, every day. Yeah. You are digesting your food, you are beating your heart, you are, you know, or you could say you or whatever force that is, but that force is absolutely intelligent. And our mind, there's no way in hell our mind can even conceptualize that level of intelligence of mm-hmm. that's that's doing all of the body functions that are going on within our system. Yeah. So our mind is, you know, the, the mind needs to be our servant. You know, it can be a, a great tool, um, but it also can be the thing that, that has us trapped in the mind. And... You know, something that you said a minute ago that it can be very triggering for people is that, you know, there is no such thing as as bad trauma, um, which a lot of mm-hmm. people are like, what the fuck? Like, you know, the the Holocaust, what about the Holocaust, mm-hmm. you know, and all the people that suffered through that and which, oh, my God, that's absolutely terrible. But the thing about trauma is trauma in our culture and in, in society is guaranteed um and how bad it is that varies but the thing about trauma is did you learn the lesson from it Mm -hmm. and did we learn the lesson from the holocaust so it doesn't happen again and there's aspects of what's going on in culture today where we can see that maybe we didn't learn the lesson and where we might end up reenacting and calling in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. So it's really about learning from it and finding and growing from it and finding a new adaptive response because that's what your soul is here to do is to grow. That's what, or, or you could say that's what your biology is here to do mm-hmm. is to grow. And I, I think that that soul spirit biology is synonymous mm-hmm. um, to me and whatever languaging you you choose to use um but you know you could get into like soul contracts and you know i'm all about the, oh, that yeah. esoteric understanding soul contracts like maybe you chose in this lifetime to have these terrible things happen to you so mm-hmm. that you go through that and, and what you birth into the world is something that helps thousands and millions of people from it yeah i even think because i have the same i have the same vantage point of like the soul contract yeah. like growing up in my family I remember being a little kid. I was always a black sheep. And I yeah. remember being like, 
how did I end up here? Like, I could have ended up in any other family. How did I end up in this shit show? I would ask myself that all the time. And I had a lot of resentment through my life Mm, about being in that family. And then when I really started to understand why I came here in this lifetime, choosing this lifetime, I chose them. Did you say you're the youngest of nine? Second youngest. Second youngest Mm -hmm. of nine I'm the youngest girl. Holy shit, Mm -hmm. that's a huge family. All the same mom and dad. Wow. Yeah. And I always questioned, like, how did I end up with these people? We've been together for lifetimes. We've had lifetimes together and, like, underlying layers of, like, family issues. Like, this is not just from this lifetime. Like, Mm -hmm. this is from many lifetimes. But understanding that I chose them and I chose the lessons has given me, even if it's not true, even if it's just something that my brain clings on to, it has helped me process and, and find peace with and move mm. through all the different traumas that have happened in my life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think that, you know, there's lots of different schools of thought that say you, choo- you chose your parents. Yeah. You know, you chose your parents based on what you want to bring into this world. And, and uh, I went through a sig- significant amount of my youth hating my parents and hating the reality that they brought me into and 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 not realizing that you know whether I chose them or not that's the story that I like to subscribe to because it helps me me too and and at the same time that I learn from them and that they've been my biggest teacher and they've made me the man that I am today and why I'm so passionate about this and why I want to bring this to the world well it's also like having that framework on your childhood to be like, even yeah. if even if you don't believe in like the esoteric past mm-hmm. life choosing this family, yeah. like we are the culmination of our experiences mm-hmm. leading up to this 100%. point in time. Yeah. So like I think like I wouldn't have had like the grit to do the things I've done and to do the things I'm doing yeah. and to serve the people I serve if I didn't have that mm-hmm. crazy ass family. Yeah. And that's <laughs> that's so, you know, a lot of people ask me like because I work with people in some pretty heavy emotional spaces Mm -hmm. and a lot of people ask me like how do you not like take on their stuff you know like how do you not take on their 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 shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) and because because I have that framework playing out in front of me where it's like you don't know what people what you don't know what is going to be a catalyst for people to make change. Mm -hmm. And you don't know like the incredibly terrible trauma that this person went through or just terrible situation that this person went through. You don't know what that's going to cause them to do Mm -hmm. and to create and to maybe learn from that and grow from that and, you know, help tons of people, uh, from that. So, when I'm working with somebody and, and, you know, I'm not necessarily focused on the story, of course, that will come out. Um, and they tell me about that. I'm, my soul knows that this thing, if they choose to grow from it, to learn from it, it can be the thing that causes them to evolve and go to the next you know, version or mm-hmm. potential of themselves. Mm-hmm. So I never look at things as like bad or good. Mm-mm. It's just information. And what is the response that's coming up from your physiology and how are you dealing with it and growing from it? One of the things I've been obsessed with since I was, I, and I actually, I think back to my childhood, I'm obsessed with cause and effect. Mm-hmm. Like this led to this, led to this, led to that. And so when I was a little kid, I would think about, oh my gosh, and I made that friend. And because I made that friend, I had that experience. And because of that experience, I did this thing. And so even now I like to look at my trauma and like the things Mm -hmm. that have happened. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if I didn't have that experience then I wouldn't know this person, then I wouldn't have done this thing. If I didn't have that horrible relationship, like it's all so interconnected that you switch the vantage point on it and be like, every single moment is a lesson and it's serving me. Mm -hmm. Everything is serving me. Just because it's serving you doesn't mean it always feels good. No, 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 no. Yeah, like um, you're still going to deal with shit. And it's not necessarily, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty if you can have that perspective. And 
this is also very interesting when it comes to because not everyone's going to have that vantage point um, and they're going to continue to get triggered and continue to um, create more pain within their life and and this is really where it comes to you know this sort of trauma work for uh, for performance, if you mm-hmm. will, for optimizing your reality for, you could say manifestation, mm-hmm. um, which, so your ability to be a creator of your own reality, mm-hmm. to be able to choose, to be able to manifest what you want in your life is, is your ability to choose, mm-hmm. is your ability to put yourself in scenarios to take action on things, to choose your mind state. Yeah. And the only way we can have choice around stuff is if we're conscious of it. Mm -hmm. Like all of your subconscious programming, all of the stories that are running in the back of your mind that you're not aware of, but that are making decisions for you. Yeah. Because most people's decision-making skills are coming from whatever programming has Mm -hmm. been put on them by their parents whatever the stories, the internal dialogue, if you will, that has been put onto them from their past programming, maybe it's the ancestral programming, maybe it's the experiences. Mm -hmm. And those programming, those softwares that are running in in the background, those are making decisions for you. And so if, and, and what is causing you to like have those decisions is the traumas that you have gone through or have been passed down uh, genetically and ancestrally and biologically through your, you know, your lineage. And the more that you can do this work and clear it out of your, not not only your body, not only your nervous system, not only your instincts and your emotions, the more you free up yourself to create new stories to have new awareness around your things that are going on in your life, the program, the programming that you are running in the background. Have you had a moment or moments like where they're like an aha moment where you're like, oh wait, I'm in control of my life and my reality. Mm, absolutely. What has been like a big moment for you where you realize that? Hmm. There has been quite a few moments with that. Uh, like hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah. You know, I think in the moment, I'm not necessarily thinking like, oh, I have control of my reality. You mm-hmm. know? Um, I think that the, the more that I can tune into the felt sense of my body, mm-hmm. um, the more that I like, you have an internal compass yeah. with inside of you. And whether you call that your gut instinct, maybe it's your heart speaking to you, maybe it's your soul, mm-hmm. um, you have a you have an internal compass, and that is a felt sense, and that speaks in yes or no, and it speaks softly. Yeah. It doesn't speak over the mind. Mm-mm. And so there's been a couple times in my life where I've had a f- like full body yeses, and I've been sensitive enough to listen to that. Um, and have taken action that has led me up to this point. And a lot of the, a lot of those things have been, um, me seeing somebody in public, mm-hmm. you know, seeing a person in public that I might've known or just getting a hunch to, I need to have a conversation with this person. Yeah. And I could feel the mental loop going in my head oh no, I I shouldn't talk to this person. They seem busy or Mm -hmm. she's probably going to think I'm hitting on her Mm -hmm. or um, no, like I got other stuff to do or, you know, the mind will just create all these stories to keep you safe. Yeah. But my internal body sensation was full yes. Yeah. And I need to go, I need to go say something to her. I don't even know why I need to go Mm -hmm. say something to her or him. There's been a couple different moments of that in my life, but those conversations have led me to huge relationships, huge networks in my life and also have just, they've just sparked that, um, mm, I don't know what you were just talking about, you know, things leading up to other things and opening doors and totally. Yeah. But it, it was a felt sensation through my body. How have you learned to trust those felt sensations? How have you learned to strengthen that gut or that those intuitive pings and like really lean into them. Mm, 
Well, the only way that you can practice it is by doing that exact thing that scares mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And so one thing, and we were just kind of talking about this before we started the podcast, is that um, I would probably consider myself as an empathetic person or an empath, if you will, pretty sensitive to other people's energies. I'm picking up on a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, the number one like tool for empaths is to create very strong boundaries, yeah. create very strong boundaries for yourself. And I think for a long time, I did not have strong boundaries. I kind of just like went with the flow Mm -hmm. and uh, I started to just lose touch with that inner voice that was telling me what direction to go to. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't hear it because I, I was hearing everybody else's noise, everybody else's stories my own stories, mental chatter. I, I really couldn't actually feel like an empath. The, the lines get blurred between what is self and what is other. Mm-hmm. And so having daily practices on uh, really tuning into yourself is huge. Um, but also setting boundaries and not only setting boundaries just for the, the, like the concept of setting boundaries, but for building trust within yourself mm-hmm. that like, okay, I have this boundary with this thing. I am going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to honor myself and I'm going to say no to this thing because I've set a boundary for that. Mm -hmm. And that starts to strengthen that muscle where you start to begin to trust yourself Mm -hmm. and your internal compass of telling you what is right and what's wrong. And it, and, and the further you are away from that, the more you have to do that and the more you have to strengthen that muscle And now I can just feel myself when I get a gut instinct and an intuitive hit. It's a full body yes, I'm in. Mm -hmm. It's a full body no, it's a no for me. Yeah. And you will always know like when someone asks you a question or you need to make a decision, is it a yes or a no? Or are, are are you going through a loops and tunnels of if this happens then this happens <laughs> then that's going to happen then this happens like if you start to do that then you know that's coming from your mind yeah if it's a yes or a no that's how you know it's coming from felt sense from internal compass as an empath who you know empaths like you feel your feelings you mm-hmm. feel others a lot you're also an empath who is physically in touch with mm-hmm. people a lot yeah. You are a facilitator one-on-one. You hold trainings and you're teaching people. Yeah. How do you have rituals around protecting your energy and clearing your energy? Mm. Yes, I do. And I think that I've done so much of it where, to, where I'm at the point where I do not have to do it as much. And I think that... Um, This is where like daily practices are absolutely incredible, um, but you start to do the same thing over and over and over again, um, and it becomes like a, (laughs) the body likes variety. Yeah. Like they call it repetitive stress injury for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the non-negotiable things that I do, which just sounds probably pretty plain to a lot of people, is I have to exercise. Yeah. I have to physically discharge things from my body and I have to channel that energy through my body through physical exercise. Um, a cold water exposure um, resets my electrical system and my nervous system better than anything. And that mm-hmm. just wipes like water is the universal cleaner. Yeah. It, just getting in some sort of a bath or a cold plunge or shower or something mm-hmm. like wipes my energy clean. Um, time in nature, yeah. you know, solitude, absolutely can ground my body electrically and also just just tuning into um, just looking and observing life and how it grows and the intelligence that moves through that mm-hmm. and I start to really uh, I, I start to feel that and then also you know like having strong boundaries up of knowing what is me and what is another person mm-hmm. and that has just come through lots and lots of practices knowing that I'm always connected to the innate intelligence of life that's moving through, that's, you know, spinning this planet, that's causing all of these plants to grow around me. And uh, knowing that I'm deeply connected to earth and I am the bridge between heaven and earth, 
and I have my own special alignment within that, mm-hmm. and I try to tap into that absolutely. But I'd say f- a physical practice is probably the the most yeah. important for me. I think too, like you said, like doing the same thing over and over again. Like we get obsessed with like mm-hmm. the five a.m. club and like yeah. these rituals that we're like, oh well, successful people do this. Like I have mm-hmm. to journal and I have to work out at five a.m. and I have to do these things. And I was very much, I mean, I'm a type A Virgo. Like, of course, Mm -hmm. I thought that that was, like, the thing to do. Yeah. Um, But what I've realized is, like, I need the structure of a space of time where it's, like, this time in the morning is my time, but then I get to flow in it. It's, like, maybe I journal. Maybe I read. Maybe I don't. Maybe I meditate. Maybe I do breath work. Like, they're all options, but it's, like, what's the thing that feels good Mm -hmm. to do in this space that I know I need? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you said, I I am working with a lot of people and uh, one-on-one sessions, groups. I'm also teaching, you know, trainings and stuff. And and, uh, I have cultivated enough sensitivity and, you know, these words empath or sensitivity or, you know, you could think of sensitivity as a weakness, um, but sensitivity is actually meaning that you are actually more alive. You are actually more, you are full of sensory awareness. You're full of sense and you're full of sensation. And my ability to feel certain things and feel the full spectrum of life and to be so attuned to someone's subtle energy and what's being communicated through their being. Yeah. And the only way to learn that is through practicing it. Um that that sensitivity allows me to really drop back into what is mine and what, what is others, yeah. you know? Does that make sense? It does make sense. So something I want you to no touch on... No pun intended. <laughs> something I want you to touch on before we close up today is in addition to, you know, being a somatic release breathwork practitioner... You're mm-hmm. also training and working with practitioners on how they can use this beautiful modality and hold space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a practitioner, but uh, my, like, I realized quickly that the world has been needing this modality. And, and you know, I, I kind of synthesized it from quite a few different other modalities and, you know, put my own spin on it. And, and, uh, it started gaining a lot of popularity very fast. And I don't think that's because of me. I think it's because of that's what the world is needing Mm -hmm. and that's what the world is wanting right now. And so I became very busy with one-on-one sessions and group sessions. And I was, I was burning myself out and I, and, you know, I was a teacher before and I, I loved teaching. I loved just seeing light bulbs click for people. And I quickly realized that if I want to get this out to more people, I need to teach more people how to do it. Mm-hmm. And that is the way that I can get this out into the world at the capacity that I can feel it asking me to uh, bring it to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I work with a lot of different people on learning this technique I mean we've had so many different practitioners that can uh, utilize this within their practice and you know I have a lot of life coaches a lot of psychologists a lot of business coaches a, a lot of people that are used to working with people's mindsets and people's stories mm-hmm. uh, that want to use this modality because it gives them a way to actually move things through their body and their nervous system and on a physical level. Mm-hmm. And then I've had a lot of people on the opposite side of the spectrum, personal trainers, yoga teachers, mm-hmm. uh, body workers, um, chiropractors, uh, who work with aligning people's physical bodies Um, But they needed something to actually help people delve into the stories and the the stuff that has been suppressed in their mind as well, too. So, you know, we we work with a lot of different people all across the board. You know, all the thing that they all have in common is they're really trying to help people and get to the root cause of a lot of stuff that's holding people back from, you know, being the fullest expression of themselves. And, And we work with each individual on how to bring this to their business, you know, have a lot of different ways that this can integrate into different practices so awesome and how often are you doing the facilitation 
the trainings? The training, yeah. Um, we've been doing one about every two months, and they've mostly been based here in Phoenix, uh, but we will be doing one in Austin, Texas in October, and then also one in Florida in November. And we're seeing how the rest of the states enjoy this and receive this, and uh, it looks like we'll be going to other places. And then also, we are currently working and putting so much time and energy into cultivating an online uh, training that is uh, just going to be filled with so much goodness. And uh, because so many people have not been able to make it to the in-person training, um, so we're trying to work on that for, for everyone else. And where can people find out information about the trainings? Yeah, so our website is uh, www.srbreathwork.com. Um, and you can check out all of the upcoming dates. You can get on the wait list for the online course. Um, you can you know, email us if you have any questions. Also, you can check out, I'm mostly active on Instagram. My Instagram is jaggers. Uh, J-A-G-G-E-R-S-J-R. And uh, that's about it. You're also a podcast host. Oh, yeah. Shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. My podcast as well, too. We have, and, and Regina's going to be on it very shortly once we, we're, uh, we're starting to pick up the steam on the podcast again, too, here soon. Um, but it's the Mind Body Mentor Podcast. And I can't wait to have you on it as well. Can't wait to be a guest. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing all your goodness. <laughs> Yeah. I really appreciate it. Hopefully I didn't ramble too much. No, it was great. I loved it. I word like podcasting is actually such a way for me to just get my ideas out and then kind of um, just work back through them. So I'm like a word vomiter and then I try to put the pieces together for myself. That's great. It'll be great if you write a book someday. You have to like vomit it all out and then give it structure. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully everyone (laughs) enjoyed it. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. If you love this podcast, please take a screenshot, share it in your story, tag myself and Steven, and let us know what you loved about it. Also, please, 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 if you are loving the podcast, I would so appreciate if you would rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Love you guys. See you next week on the podcast. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved what you heard, I would be beyond thankful if you would share this podcast on your Instagram story and share with me what about the episode with me or with my guests that you loved. Also, please remember if you love this podcast to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes so that you don't miss out on all of the incredible guests and topics that we have lined up for you during this crazy year. And as always, if there is ever a guest or a topic or anything you would like for me and a guest to discuss, just shoot me a DM on Instagram at Regina A. Lawrence. Lots of love, guys.